the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Saudi Arabia issues a warning to Joe Biden not to drain the strategic petroleum reserve. Both Riyadh and Washington firing non-stop salvos at each other. Democrats are split on John Fetterman after watching a dismal debate performance. It, it is a dumpster fire. The Democrats are in big trouble. They know it. We know it. Elon Musk walks into Twitter's headquarters. And Elon Musk will own Twitter. And then what happens after that is another story for another discussion for another day. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, October 27th. I'm Mike Scott. Tensions between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia continue to grow as the Saudi Arabian Energy Ministry and Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman warned President Joe Biden that his draining of the strategic oil reserve could cause big problems for the U.S. in the near future. People are depleting their emergency stocks, Yes, had depleted it, used it as a mechanism to uh, manipulate markets. While it is profound purpose was to mitigate shortages of supply, be it as it may, it's everybody's choice. However, however, it is my profound duty to make it clear to the world that losing emergency stock may become painful in the months to come. The verbal jab comes on the heels of Joe Biden releasing another 11 million barrels of oil last week, claiming that that move would lower gas prices for American families. Molly Gambier of international news platform WION News says that the Saudis charge that Biden's release of the strategic oil reserve is politically motivated has merit. It says Washington's move is a desperate bid to build further pressure on the markets and manipulate the prices of oil. In other words, dictate the terms of the global energy industry. Now that's Saudi Arabia's charge. Is there any merit to this? Yes, there is. You see, since the war started... America has released close to 180 million barrels of oil. This is oil from America's strategic petroleum reserves. It is meant to address energy supply constraints, not to relieve the price pressures. But Biden could not care less. He is releasing barrel after barrel to keep the prices under control in the short term. Analysts say in the long run, this could prove to be problematic. Gambier explains that the tensions between the U.S. and the oil-rich Saudis are growing. The White House has criticized this move, calling it the same as aligning with Russia. 
the Saudi energy minister responded to this charge as well. I keep listening. Are you with us or against us? Is there any room for? We are for Saudi Arabia and for the people of Saudi Arabia. What does that tell you? That the oil dispute between the US and Saudi Arabia is only intensifying. This is despite Joe Biden visiting the kingdom this summer. Remember, he went there expecting a deal to boost oil production. The plan clearly did not work out, with both Riyadh and Washington firing non-stop salvos at each other. Gambier goes on to say that, in her opinion, the U.S.'s sanctions against Russia may backfire and pressure allies like the Saudis over the war in Ukraine will result in alienating them. Experts even say that these sanctions might soon backfire on the countries behind them because they don't take the current global dynamics into account where more and more countries are hesitating into taking clear sides. So at the end of the day, America and the West are far from hurting Russia economically. If anything, they are only alienating their allies with their ill-thought sanctions and pressure tactics. The latest snub from Saudi Arabia only confirms this. The strategic oil reserve is now at its lowest level since 1984, with just 17 days worth of supply left. The White House has been vague about when the Biden administration plans to refill the reserve. On Wednesday, in a rare move of clarity, Moscow acknowledged that a large number of Russia's newly drafted troops have not been properly equipped for the war in Ukraine. According to reports coming out of Russia, families of drafted soldiers have complained about having to buy battlefield gear and of them being sent to war with scant training. Some have also reported a lack of food and ammunition. These reports come on the heels of Russia completing a training exercise aimed at delivering a massive nuclear strike in response to a theoretical attack on their country. The Biden administration released a statement saying that Russia provided advance notice of the annual drill. Frederick Plankin of CNN is on the ground in Ukraine and says that while Moscow did alert the U.S. to the training exercise, that didn't stop Vladimir Putin from threatening the United States. As Russian forces continue to lose ground in Ukraine, the Kremlin conducting massive annual nuclear drills involving submarine-launched ballistic missiles and others launched from Russia's fleet of strategic bombers. While the Russians notified the U.S. about the drills well in advance, Russian President Vladimir Putin with a clear warning to Washington. What they are trying to achieve, we see on the example of Ukraine, which has become an instrument of American foreign policy. The country has practically lost sovereignty and is directly controlled from the United States. Former U.S. National Security Secretary and retired Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster says that Putin's threat is just more saber-rattling. This is theater because Putin is under tremendous pressure because of the failed renewed offensive in, in Ukraine that began on February 24th. And, and, uh, and he's under tremendous pressure because of the Ukrainian counteroffensive, the failed mobilization. He's having a real hard time even equipping those that he has mobilized, let alone train them. 
And so he's under more and more pressure from the far right, you know, the, the very, you know, hyper-nationalist group of people and the Slaviki around him, you know, the former, you know, KGB and security uh, people that he surrounded himself with to do more. And so he's rattling his nuclear saber. You saw that with, you know, these these threats of your veiled, thinly veiled threats of the use of a tactical nuclear weapon. And now this kind of dirty bomb, you know, scenario, uh, a, a, as well as these nuclear tests. And, you know, he's, 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 he's you know, he just completed these tests. And you, you see him sitting behind, you know, his desk as if he's in control. Well, he's, he's really not in control of what's going on in Ukraine. So he's trying to create this image that everything's okay. McMasters explains what the U.S. could do if Vladimir Putin uses a tactical nuclear weapon. I think you know, what he said about that there being devastating consequences for, you know, for Putin if he were to use, you know, any kind of a, a nuclear weapon or, or, or a dirty bomb. And I think the National Security Advisor statement just a few weeks ago was, was quite strong on this when he was on Face the Nation. He said that it, there would be, you know, so, you know, very severe consequences. And, you know, Russia has to know that the United States has a broad range of options available for response. And, and, and it doesn't have to be a nuclear response for for a nuclear use of a nuclear device or a dirty bomb. It can be a conventional response, and a conventional response, I think, that would that would you know, could strike you know, maybe all the the military uh, sites that we can identify that we've identified in in Crimea. It could involve you know, striking all of their you know their Black Sea fleet, for example. But there would be a, a range of options I think that would be presented to the president. McMaster says that, in his opinion, the threats of nuclear weapons shows how desperate Putin is. He has to fear escalation more than anybody, Anne-Marie. And, and I think this is just a sign of how desperate he's become, how little he has left in terms of what he can do uh, to dissuade us, but but also to uh, to, to dissuade the, the Ukrainians from continuing their, their offensive. And so it's, you know, it's, it's rattled the nuclear saber. And the only other thing he really has left besides that is sort of coercion in the energy sector and maybe threats against energy infrastructure. I mean, I think this is why, you know, he blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline as a sign. Well, hey, you know, I can blow up other pipelines too. And it, it's not a coincidence that he did that on the same day that the pipeline opened between Norway, Denmark, and Poland. And now Norway has become the, the number one exporter to Europe of natural gas. NATO is carrying out its own long-planned annual nuclear exercises in Northwest Europe. The aftermath of the Pennsylvania Senate debate between Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz has some Democrat strategists sweating when it comes to their prospects in the midterms. Fetterman struggled at times to explain positions in the debate against Oz, but early on, he addressed those health concerns. Let's also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm going to keep coming back up. Meanwhile, Oz ignored his opponent's health challenges, instead seizing on Fetterman's policies on immigration and crime and his backing of President Joe Biden. The race represents the best chance for Democrats to try and flip a Republican-held Senate seat this year. Taking part in the Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race debate, the Republican candidate says he wants to bring civility to Washington. Washington keeps getting it wrong with extreme positions. 
I want to bring civility, balance, all the things that you want to see because you've been telling it to me on the campaign trail. And by doing that, we can bring us together in a way that has not been done of late. Fetterman's debate performance has left many in the Democrat Party fretting that his health struggles will cost them a critical seat. However, while many Democrats still believe Fetterman will eke out a win, there's a lot of internal Democrat hand-wringing over whether party leaders should have urged him to suspend his campaign months ago. Leland Vittert of News Nation says that Fetterman didn't really have a good choice. Well, first of all, you have to have not only enormous respect uh, for someone who has will has had that stroke, had that has this condition, and is willing to go out onto the debate stage and debate. Uh, he also had, they would say it in the Arabic world, uh, two choices, both of which were bitter for him, his family, and his political consultants. If he does debate, uh, you risk having what happened happen last night. Uh, if you do debate, don't debate, uh, then you basically concede by default, right, that you're unable and not physically and mentally fit enough to debate, and it's something that'll that'll be used against you. Uh, in every attack ad for the next two weeks. So uh, either way, he didn't really have a good choice, and and Kelly made a great point. Uh, You really don't know whether it was a good decision or not. Uh, You you can argue it both ways. It'll be the voters who decide. Vitter says that, in his opinion, Fetterman's performance likely didn't sway many voters to his side. The question really to ask yourself as as a viewer or as a pundit or anybody else is to say, okay, there, there are people who we know, no matter what, are going to vote for Memon Oz because he's a Republican. There's people who are going to vote for John Fetterman, no matter what, because he's a Democrat. Uh, of the people in the middle who were leaning one way or the other, is there anything in that debate last night that John Fetterman did that would all of a sudden have people go, oh, wow, I must vote for John Fetterman. Not only must I vote, but I must actually turn out and vote. Uh, and that, that seems to be a very small group. Uh, if you can, if you go through and sort of parse what happened last night. Salem Radio Network's Mike Gallagher says that Fetterman's performance was, in his words, awful. It, it is a dumpster fire. The Democrats are in big trouble. They know it. We know it. The media knows it. Republicans are surging. Americans are, 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 have had it with awful candidates. And they are awful everywhere. Gallagher went on to say that the Pennsylvania Senate debate was over before it began. The Oz-Fetterman debate was over and done with in the first five seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. That's how he started. That's, that's the, those are his opening words. Hi. Good night, everybody. And I, I, I almost clutched my chest. I thought, oh, my gosh, that's how this debate is going to start? Hi. Good night, everybody. Yep. It was goodnight, Irene. It was over for him before it even began. And it just, it did get worse. And shame on the media pretending like this is normal. If John Fetterman had an R behind his name, all you'd be hearing right now is the absolute catastrophe of a debate last night. Fetterman's slight lead has shrunk even further in recent weeks, and that race is now a classic toss-up. New polling shows Republicans leading in key races for the U.S. Senate and governor's seats. We get details on this from Daybreak Insider congressional correspondent Bernie Bennett. 
A series of polls this week released after several debates have taken place in key Senate races and contests for governor indicate that Republican candidates are leading in these races. A summary from the website Real Clear Politics shows the GOP ahead in races for Florida Senate and governor, with Republican Senator Marco Rubio leading Democrat Congresswoman Val Demings 54 to 43. Governor Ron DeSantis leads Democrat Congressman Charlie Crist 55 to 41. Marist shows North Carolina Senate candidate Ted Budd leading Democrat opponent Sherry Beasley 48 to 45. Bernie Bennett reporting. On Tuesday, Justice Samuel Alito joined the Heritage Foundation in an interview and warned the leak of the Supreme Court opinion that overturned Roe v. Wade made endangered his life and the lives of other conservative colleagues as targets for assassination. How has the leak affected the court? It was a grave betrayal of trust by somebody. In the aftermath of the Dobbs and Casey leak, multiple pro-abortion activist groups held protests in front of the conservative justices' homes in the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia for weeks, sometimes resorting to intimidation tactics. Marky Martin, a reporter at News Nation, recounts an attempt on the life of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. In a rare public interview, Justice Samuel Alito not mincing words on the leak of his draft that overturned Roe v. Wade. The leak also made those of us who were thought to be in the majority in support of overruling Roe and Casey targets for assassination. Because it gave people a rational reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us. Alito noting the attempted killing of conservative justice Brett Kavanaugh. In the time between the leak and the court's eventual ruling, a California man armed with a handgun, knife, pepper spray, and burglary tools was arrested near Kavanaugh's home. Martin points out that the identity of that leaker is still unknown. Justice Alito also adding that in the wake of that leak, it really changed the entire atmosphere there on the court. Uh, the other thing he wanted to add is that even though those justices passionately disagree about the law, uh, historically, they do get along very well. He says that is something that is lost in most coverage. Also worth noting that at this time, it is still unknown who leaked that draft. On Wednesday, Elon Musk paid a visit to Twitter's headquarters ahead of the court-imposed deadline to close the deal and buy the social media giant. According to the ruling, Musk has until Friday to close an agreement to acquire the company. But as of Wednesday, it remains unclear whether his purchase of Twitter has been finalized. However, Reuters reported that Musk has notified investors that he plans to finalize the buyout by Friday's deadline. Yeah, Elon Musk walked into the Twitter HQ, which is just off Market Street, a couple of miles from where I'm sitting, and I'm told by Twitter insiders that the sink you see him holding, the joke there is that he 
is in the building and he wants Twitter staff for that to sink in, the idea that this is real, that he really is going to buy Twitter. That's at least what Twitter employees take on this situation is, look, we've reported in the last hour that uh, equity investors who are buying into the equity financing portion of this deal have already transferred funds to Elon Musk's team. We'd reported 24 hours ago that Musk had held a conference call with the banks, that he was going to give a borrowing notice to the banks for the debt side, that that debt cash would go into escrow Thursday, and that Musk would also help market the debt portion of this deal because it has to be sold to Wall Street. But on all accounts, we're moving towards a situation where this deal closes by the 5 p.m. deadline on Friday, that deadline imposed, of course, by a Delaware Chancery judge, and Elon Musk will own Twitter. And then what happens after that is another, sorry, for another discussion for another day. One of Musk's biggest obstacles to closing the deal was keeping in place financing necessary to purchase the social media platform. A group of banks, including Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, signed on earlier this year to loan $12.5 billion of the money Musk needed to buy Twitter and take it private. Yet another union voted down a proposed contract with the freight railroad industry Wednesday, again pushing the nation toward an economically crippling rail strike as soon as next month. Wednesday's vote by the Brotherhood of Railroad Signalmen makes it the second rail union to reject a compromise since September 15, when there was 11th-hour deal-making by the Biden administration that, for a time, has averted the threat of an immediate work stoppage. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has the latest on the railway freight talks. A second railroad union has rejected its deal with major U.S. freight railroads, reflecting workers' increased frustration with a lack of paid sick time in the industry. The vote by the Brotherhood of Railroad Signalmen adds to concerns about the possibility of a strike next month. That could cripple the economy. More than 60 percent of union members oppose the five-year contract with a lack of paid sick leave and the strict attendance policies that keep some of them on call 24-7 being major issues of discontent. Six smaller unions have approved their deals, but all 12 unions must ratify them to prevent a strike. If a walkout does happen, then Congress may step in to block it. I'm Lisa Dwyer. accused of killing six and injuring 60 when he drove his car through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, has been found guilty, wrapping up a trial in which he defended himself with bizarre legal theories and erratic outbursts. Daryl Brooks has been found guilty of first-degree intentional homicide, guilty of first-degree recklessly endangering safety. You know, this comes after allegations that he had driven an SUV through a crowd of people celebrating at a Waukesha Christmas parade. He killed six people and injured more than 60 others. And this has been a strange trial, not only because of the nature of, you know, what he stood accused of and has now been found guilty of, uh, but because of behavior in the courtroom. 
courtroom. In fact, even today, as these counts have been read out, someone in the courtroom yelled out saying that he should burn in hell. They used another expletive, had to be removed swiftly from the room. But over the course of these last 18 days of the trial, Daryl Brooks himself has been, you know, belligerent, angry, openly fighting with the judge at times and has been extremely disruptive to the point that he's had to be removed himself from the courtroom at several different points. And, you know, he repeatedly has his argument has essentially been, you know, that this was not intentional. But prosecutors had really a mountain of evidence um, arguing that this was intentional, that he drove his SUV through this crowd, uh, you know, with full knowledge of what he was doing while in a rage that he then even evaded uh, authorities after the fact. Um, and, you know, he was really unable to call witnesses uh, and he was defending himself, uh, had no lawyers uh, there to represent him, Andrea. And so this strange trial has come to an end uh, that frankly hasn't been surprising for many, that he's been found guilty of these horrific acts. He faces a mandatory life sentence on each homicide count. And finally, it looks like inflation isn't only hitting your wallet through groceries and gas. Wednesday's $700 million jackpot, while one of the largest in U.S. lottery history, is all due to inflation. Tonight's Powerball drawing is the fifth largest Powerball jackpot ever. An estimated $700 million grand prize is up for grabs. Many Americans already thinking about what they'd do with the cash. I'm going to buy a beach house down in Connecticut. The tickets are only $2 each, but if you win, the payouts are huge. You could decide to take the roughly $700 million paid in smaller amounts each year. Or you could opt for cash right now and take home a smaller amount, a lump sum estimated $330 million before taxes. I just had a guy in here who bought 100 tickets. So, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot, a lot of play this week because people want to, uh, they like the action. And in some good news in this troubling economy, high interest rates means more money on the table. The Multi-State Lottery Association says their annuity prize, the one paid out over several years, is made up of interest from securities purchased. On their website, they write, the higher the interest rates, the higher the advertised grand prize. I'm going to rent me a helicopter and throw money around Greenfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and take care of all my family. A lot of big plans there. So the bad news, though, here, yeah, the odds are not very good. It's about 1 in 292 million. The group that works with state lotteries says on its website that securities are purchased to fund prize payouts for jackpots. And that increases in interest rates can mean higher advertised grand prizes. The Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates in a bid to try and lower inflation. As interest rates climb, so does the annuity factor. This means bigger jackpots can be paid for smaller amounts of cash on hand. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us.
I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.